0: Two podcasters enter, one leaves. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is your classic Macaw Podcast Universe episode. Um, if you are with us this far, I think you, you've got to be hooked. you got to be hooked, line, and sinker. We are in <laughs> the Mad Max series, and we are on episode three of the Mad Max series, which is Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Two men enter, one, one man, man leaves. leaves. So, today we're going to do that. Ah, the metronome that. on? Ah, the metronome's on. The metronome's on. It, I hate how this happens. Every time you open up a new logic, it just goes to its settings of the beginning of having the click on.
1: Oh, brother.
0: So... Anyway, um, how did we feel about this movie? Just a little, a little off second, the cuff.
1: Second watch for me.
0: Third watch for me.
1: A lot better than the first one. I only really remembered the first half of the movie, so the second half was feel like I was watching it for the first time.
0: Hmm. I always, I always forget what happens in the second half yeah, of this movie.
1: It is. I think that it is a nice bridge between the previous movies and the fourth movie Mm -hmm. because the fourth movie you could argue is just as insane as this one, but it's not as insane because of this one.
0: Okay. I think it's way more insane.
1: But do you, but do you know what I mean? Like how it's, I don't know. I just think like this one's so all of them are heavily stylized, but this one is even more heavily stylized Mm -hmm. based on costume and set design. And the fourth one is way more as well, Uh but I don't think it, I don't, to me it's not as drastic because this third one's so weird.
0: Okay. That's how I look. Okay, at it. that's a good take, yeah. Yeah. My I was thinking about this. I think what makes the Mad Max series great? It's two things. Yep, Mel. S- stunts and cars. And Mel. And world building. Oh yeah. Because we've proved that it's not just Mel because Tom Hardy yeah. took no, up the mantle. I, I'm
1: just joking.
0: But no, that's a good point, because he really does a great job in all three movies. Like he's just fantastic. But um so I think in the first two movies, you have a solid amount of world building, um and then you have amazing stunts, but I think the stunts are what like make those two movies stand out more. Yeah. And I think this movie does less in the stunts and action. Uh, part of it and doubles down on world building. Yeah, and I think it doesn't work as much, but no. it is it is cool. Yeah, uh, it holds up a lot better than I thought. It's
1: still I wasn't bored at any no. point. It was still all interesting. But yeah, what I watch a Mad Max movie for the stunts. Hmm. Not as much for the story and all that.
0: Yeah, but but it, the, but it does get into some interesting things that will we'll, we'll Which, discuss.
1: But like I said, it wasn't boring.
0: No, no. But, yeah, I think those are the two great things and and it seems like the first movie you know is it's just kind of a the story's a vehicle for how to have a cool cool chases and stunts, yeah, and then the second movie is like I think it's the perfect balance of world to stunt okay, uh and same with the fourth movie, and then this one does more world building less stunts, which is makes it a, a not as interesting, okay, I think but it is cool that we have the, the Thunderdome scene, which is a different kind of stunt choreography than in any other part of the yes, series. Yes, and
1: it's so cool. But we'll get oh, there. Oh, I forgot to look up. Oh, never mind. Can I go first?
0: Yeah, yeah. Hit it. Hit it. Hit it.
1: So one of the people that you have on the cover of this movie with Mel is Tina Turner,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who is a very famous singer mm-hmm. from the 80s, even a little bit before that. Um, this right, Maybe is, even the 70s. Yes. And this is one of her first acting credits in her acting career. The only other one that I really found that wasn't on IMDB that wasn't a music credit. Okay. Was Last Action Hero.
0: She's in Last Action She's Hero. She's the mayor. She's the mayor in the That's last action. I don't remember her in that movie.
1: I still haven't have I seen that movie fully?
0: I don't know if you've seen it fully.
1: I've seen most of it. Yeah. So I wouldn't know.
0: It's a great movie. Um it's one of those movies that uh uh, for you listener at home, it came out and people generally hated it. And right now, currently, people are starting to come around on the movie and it's starting to get a cult following now. Yeah. But it's kind of fun because my dad always liked that movie and we used to watch it a lot. So I've always been a fan of the movie.
1: Brownie points for you.
0: I know. It feels good.
1: Um, yeah. So she's in that movie. Cool. Oddly. It's just very, it just seems very odd because mm-hmm. this movie is very odd. Yeah. This is one of the first acting things she did. That's weird. Weird, but cool because she was cool. Um,
0: well, can we talk about her performance at all, or should we wait for let's it? Let's wait. Okay.
1: Um. So that movie, this movie came out in 19, 1985, right? Yes, nineteen eighty five. Yeah,
0: July tenth, nineteen
1: eighty five. So, her the early part of her career, she, it, it took place like with her first husband Ike Turner. And they got a divorce and also separated professionally. Mm-hmm. And it was a really, really, really hard thing for her. I didn't get, I didn't read too much deeply into it. Mm-hmm. But 1993 is when she launched a very successful solo career. Ni-
0: 83 you mean? 83, okay. sorry.
1: 1983. Very, like right before this movie. She launches a solo career that, um, like, it was just a huge comeback Okay. For her, and she won twelve Grammy awards, and I read that when she went on her fiftieth anniversary tour. I didn't see. I didn't see the year for it. Mm-hmm. It was. It's one of the highest selling ticketed shows ever. Like oh, of dang. this tour that she did. Wow. So what a comeback for her. Yeah. Lives in Switzerland.
0: That's cool. So way to go. Where, was she born in Switzerland or she just lives no? She's there born now? in Tennessee. Okay, but cool.
1: it, like on Wikipedia it says American Swiss. Singer, songwriter. So I wonder if one of her parents are Swiss.
0: Or maybe she just has citizenship or, yeah, in Yeah, or she is, she might have
1: citizenship. Um,
0: the DC, the du- dual citizenship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: then I, I also looked up the production designer because the production design of this movie is very good. Yeah. And I noticed the the name just kind of looked familiar to me. So the, the de- production design, designer is Graham Grace Walker. Grace being in quotes as the nickname. Okay. Um so he's he did this movie but other notable movies that he's done he's done a lot of horror movies oh okay which I find interesting he did The Island of Dr. Moriu, Moreau I think it's Moreau okay Val Kilmer okay 1996 me neither good book though Gothica which is a a thriller movie with Halle Berry okay have you seen that movie
0: no never heard of it
1: oh I mean I don't I'm assuming that the scores aren't super high but Mm -hmm. at the time it was kind of popular um and then he did House of Wax, which I am assuming you haven't seen. Nope. <sighs> but the movie was in two thousand five, and it stars Paris Hilton. What? And then stars this other person that when I read the name, I was like, "Where has this guy been?" Chad Michael Murphy. Who Where is has that? he been? He is in he's in Cinderella story with uh, Hillary Duff he he's Chad in, michael murphy he's in i, I have no idea is he idea in one tree hill is. let me double check really quick chad he was just a he was just in so much oh murray oh murray yeah i said murphy
0: he's I in mean, one that, tree hill freaky
1: friday yeah he's in freaky friday where has he been
0: i feel like i've never seen this person before oh no, I, he's I, still on tv have, shows that's good I, I f- he was just I like a like big part of my
1: teenage years.
0: He's in Marvel ABC series Agent Carter.
1: Well, there you go. That's good to know that he's still getting he's still getting jobs. And then, so then he did Ninja Assassin in 2009, which is has terrible scores, but a really cool poster for a movie. Uh-huh. And I remember Megan this is the set designer. Yeah. Okay. Megan Higday, H- Megan Higday and I rented this movie specifically because the trailer promised a ton of gore.
0: Oh, I remember this movie. Yeah, I never saw it, but oh I, I remember Shane was like, "Oh, it sucked so bad." But we he,
1: we loved it because it was so gory. Uh-huh. But I have not seen it since I was a teenager, and I am positive that I would hate it. Yeah, it's like three hundred style gore. Yeah, where it's not none of it's real. Oh, yeah. Um. But it was just it was fun. Yeah. And then he did the the collection, which is a horror movie that I've seen. That I think Veronica, if she ever listens to this, my sister has also seen. Okay. So she would be like, "Oh, okay." Anyway, then you have the the guy who played the master. So, you have Master Blaster, which are two people basically playing one character, but it's a little guy and a big guy, and the little guy is like, is like on the big guy. Yeah. Um. So, the master and is- And they
0: run the underworld. Yes. With all the pigs.
1: And the master is Angelo Rosito. He has been acting since 1927.
0: The master is? Yeah. What? That, yeah. 1927?
1: Um, he is in so many like this is. Uh, Mad Max is like the only thing I recognized okay. that he did. However, he was in The Fugitive, the TV show. Okay. And he was in Man from Uncle, the TV show. Oh, okay. But I mean, like, so many acting credits.
0: Yeah.
1: And then the guy who played Blaster only has four acting credits. This being the last one.
0: Okay. And was was it a different person than the than the kid that's revealed? I, I couldn't tell. I don't know because it it, in the I'm
1: assuming it was
0: in the movie there's the scene you see the the mat or the blaster and he's this huge guy and then when Mad Max knocks his helmet off um you see that it's a kid but the way they shot it it looks like they just put a kid in a big suit
1: I think that's what it was
0: um so anyway
1: and then who's the last one Oh, then I just looked in. What's the the, the thing about these movies is, even though this is the third one and it's a pretty successful franchise, most of the actors don't even have pictures on IMDb, meaning that this is really the only thing they've ever done. So, like, I looked up the girl from that, like, tribe. Yeah. And she, this is only her second acting credit ever. And, like, that's, like, it.
0: Interesting. She's, like, not really good.
1: She was. I think she's in a couple things after, but, like, nothing of note.
0: Okay. Um, Do you know what Mel was doing before? This movie?
1: Oh, I didn't look at that.
0: You didn't look at that?
1: No, we have we went over him. I know.
0: I'm just curious where he's at in his career right now. I can right look now. it up right now. Okay. I can take over. Is that your last? Or Yeah, do you have that's my more? last. Okay. So just butt in when Mel gets there. Uh, so this is Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. This is the third of the series. Uh, it comes out July 10th, 1985. And the budget of this movie, I know you're looking, but pay attention to this. The budget is $10 million.
1: Wow. That's it?
0: Yeah, and uh, box office is thirty six million two hundred thirty thousand two hundred nineteen in the U.S. and four million two hundred seventy two thousand eight hundred two in Australia. Whoa! So that's where only in Australia. That well, the 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 four million number was Australia. The thirty six million was America. That's
1: just a lot for one country.
0: Yeah, but I mean, um, the U.S. knocked him out of the water.
1: He did Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon's his next movie after this in 1987.
0: So, The Lethal Weapon starts after this.
1: Yeah, and before that are movies that I've never heard of.
0: Can you hit me with like the just whatever was right before it?
1: Mrs. Soful. Okay. It uh, looks boring.
0: Okay. That's pretty cool. So, he goes from one action franchise to the next. Yeah. Love Lethal Weapon. Big Lethal Weapon guy. Um. Okay. This movie, once again, is directed by George Miller, but it's also directed by George o- Ogilvie, who mostly does a bunch of TV movies I've never heard of. Um, and the reason for that is um, Miller... So do do you remember his um, producing partner, Byron Kennedy? Yeah. They made the first two movies together. They're good friends. Um, oh, and he
1: dedicated the movie to him.
0: yes. Then he died. He died. And he died, Byron Kennedy died while scouting locations for the movie in a helicopter crash in 83. What? Yes. So um, this caused Miller to be hesitant to do the movie because he was going through all the grief of it. Um, But he, he did come to the conclusion of like, let's just do it so we can get over the shock and the grief and kind of process it through making the movie. Okay. But that was part of the reason why he had a assistant director. I'm uh, I'm doing a bit of um, guessing here because let me see if I can find the note here. Um, Oh, where did I guess I didn't make that note? But I I remember reading that he. uh, Oh yeah, here it is. Uh, A quote from him: Thunderdome. I had a very hard time on that because Byron Kennedy was killed in a helicopter accident just before, and we were doing two miniseries. I was very ellipses. I had a lot on my plate. I asked my friend George Ogilvie, who was working on the miniseries, could you come and help me? But I don't remember the experience because I was doing it to just, you know, I was grieving. So when asked about the movie, he, and that was, I believe that was from an interview during his um, promotional stint of Fury Road. So he just doesn't really remember directing the movie that much. Oh,
1: that's sad.
0: So um, I remember going into this movie for this third time since i had remembered not really liking it as much the th- the last time i had watched the movie still enjoying it to an extent but yeah. not like loving it i remember thinking oh i get it like his friend died so they did a pretty bad job because yeah. his friend died watching it again i'm like actually it works pretty it's a pretty good movie so going through all that grief and stuff he still managed to make a good movie mm-hmm.
1: um this movie like the other ones just goes goes goes
0: Yeah, I mean, there are some definite changes I'd make to the movie, but which we'll get to. Um, But anyway, so that's kind of the directing chair. I I thought that's kind of interesting. Uh, The music is, this is the first time it's not by um, Brian May, not not the queen Brian May, but the Australian Brian May. Uh, And it's by uh, Maurice Jarre, who did Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago and some others. Uh, Cinematography (laughs) is...
1: Dr. Zhivago
0: it's Dean Semler is back again produced by Kennedy Miller productions distributed by Warner Brothers and then I got a big note here uh, I'm just gonna quote this this is taken from Wikipedia um, Terry Hayes who co-wrote the screenplays of Mad Max 2 and Beyond Thunderdome with Miller started talking about mythology and how oh, cool. how where people are short on knowledge uh, they tend to be very big on belief In other words, they take a few fragments of knowledge and if you take, like the aboriginal tribes of Australia, they just take simple empirical information and using those little bits of the jigsaw construct very elaborate mythological beliefs, which explain the whole universe. Terry was saying if you had a tribe of kids after the apocalypse who had only a few fragments of the knowledge, they would construct a mythological belief as to what was before and what would happen if Max or someone like that what would happen if Max or someone like that's just the end of that quote, but (laughs) uh, I don't know what was going on there, but that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause it's, so the movie from, from doing research and watching it, it, a lot of the movie is about like mythology, myth, and then power structures. Yeah. And, um, how, how society functions. Um, so that's cool. Mm -hmm. We'll take that into our thoughts as we go along. Um, they imagined Tina Turner like other leaders um, who were good, like started out good, but then they cling to their power and so they don't allow change. Yeah. Um, and I saw that um, Max, I mean, <laughs> George Miller, was saying how like he he could almost imagine, not he, he didn't express interest in making this movie, but he almost imagines like, there is a Tina Turner story of her creating Bartertown, where she is like a Mad Max type hero. But then she later, like, is um, her morality is kind of changed because she wants to hold on to that. Well, power. I like
1: I like that tiny little anecdote that she gave in the movie where she was like, "I I was no one before everything that happened, but now I'm now it's my time to be someone."
0: Yeah, now I'm someone. Yeah, and that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, um, so. Um, and then, and then George Miller carries that over to he um, explains that if um, Max were to stay with the children, then he would become a tyrant in the in that same way. Oh, because at the end of the movie, he lets the kids go and stuff like Interesting. that. Interesting. But so there's a lot of the power structure, um, which knowing that before the movie was kind of nice for me because I was watching for it. Oh, okay. I don't know if you caught um, that stuff but I'll be interested to see what you think about it. Those are my notes, and this is the Macaw Podcast Universe. Cue the intro music. That's our long intro. Oh, what? No, I'm kidding. He probably already played the intro music.
1: You could play it again if you feel like it. But play it like over our talking.
0: Yeah. I, by the way, I saw Anthony yesterday, of course, at the coffee shop. And uh, for for you, listener, a little behind the scenes, this is our ninth episode, and this week we finally finished the cover which is the superhero Mike. Um, which Jordan drew. Which is very cool.
1: And Micah did the font.
0: I did the I did the graphic element of it. Um, please don't hire me. Because it's such a headache. And I'm very bad at it. Um, and
1: don't assume that I can do graphic art. Because I can't. That's why Micah does it.
0: But she does do the drawing. And she is available for hire. Um, but uh, all of that to say. Uh, we have our release date finally. And then... Uh, Do you guys want to know
1: what it is?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anthony, but he also said that um, he can send us the song, but he kind of just... The the intro song, because it's done, but he kind of wants to just premiere it. And I was like, just put it on the episode. I trust you. So you, the listener, you've heard it. This will be the ninth time you've heard the intro music. And just imagine that Jordan and I have not heard it yet. We don't know what it is.
1: Yeah, I don't know, and it's killing me. And
0: we probably won't know, because we're still going to record a few. Like, we have a release date in mind, um, but it's about two or three weeks away from this date now. So we'll probably have, like, three or four more episodes done by then. Um, Yeah. In which case, we still will not have heard the intro music. So anyway, Mad Max Dome. Let's get into it. Let me pull up my note from so watching the So, I have a question movie. right
1: off the bat that I was always unclear about, and I feel like I might have just missed it. Uh-huh. So, at the beginning of the movie, Max is the one driving that caravan of camels. With, with the
0: camels, with yeah. With the
1: truck, like with the car. Yeah. And the plane, who was Bruce Spence, like flies over, over him and knocks him off. That uh-huh. was him, right? Yeah. And then... He loses his, like, why did that happen? I'm so confused. Because then Mel Gibson gets to Barter Town and he's like, I want my stuff back. And it's like, did someone steal it? Or?
0: Yeah. Bruce Spence stole it.
1: But he never, he never received it.
0: Yeah. His son was on the ground and he jumped into the. No. Uh, So what
1: did they do? No, no,
0: no. Remember, Remember him and his. So the, so Bruce Spence is in the second movie. The gyro captain. And in this movie, he's a new character, Jebediah. Was um, oh, he a or, new
1: new character? He's a
0: new character, Jedediah. He's Jedediah. He has a son, um, and and they are flying a plane. Remember, he knocks Mad Max off, jumps onto the cart, steals it, and his son keeps flying the plane. Okay. And then Mad Max chases um, the the cart on foot, but he he falls behind, but he he follows the path, which leads him to Barter Town. And
1: so by the time he gets there, did the Jedediah just sell it or something?
0: Yeah, he sold it for. Uh, like parts or whatever he needed.
1: Why is he a different character?
0: Well, here's the thing. I think you could argue that he's the same character, but when they meet eye to eye later in the movie, there's no recognition at all. I thought
1: that there was recognition.
0: I did not see any recognition. Oh, did you? Did you really think maybe you that's saw just recognition? because I know who they are? I I don't see I because he just sees him. But he
1: was like this you, and he had that look on his face.
0: I thought he was just like, he how, knew he's the one who stole it. Oh, when he, how could he finds him at the him? end?
1: Yeah, how could he have seen him? If he just, like, flew over him and knocked him out of his car, how can you see someone when that happens?
0: Well, I thought that at So, we're jumping around. Uh, this is a very strange movie, so if you haven't heard it, this is going to be a we very odd podcast. We haven't gotten to Thunderdome yet. <laughs> but... Um, so if I remember, at the end of the movie, when they sneak into Jedediah's underground location, he just points at him and he's like, "You gotta help us." Does he say, "No, you but stole he says it stuff? like, like
1: you." I did, To me, it was like I. It's you.
0: Yeah, I That's feel what like it he just. Like. Okay,
1: I think Mel, can you be more clear <laughs> in your acting?
0: Uh, I guess. But what I was gonna say is, uh, I think that since he is a new character, at least to me, my reading, this again furthers my point that this these are like mythological figures that are traversing the Australian desert.
1: Okay, let's just go with that.
0: Um, because I remember at first, when the the first two times I saw that movie, I was like, that's so weird because it seems like they recast him and they don't address the fact that it's the same person. Yeah. But now getting into this idea that Mad Max is just like a figure – that is trying to survive the wasteland and helps people, but for usually selfish motivations that turn out to be um, empirically good, usually. Uh, I think that the gyro captain and Jedediah are almost like, um, kind of like misfits. Yeah. Like, all, all not so much in this movie, but in Road Warrior, he's like a jester almost that like yeah. lives in the Australian wasteland and... Um, like also like whether he means to or not winds up helping people. So I think he's just another like mythological character as yeah. well. Okay. Which if they ever make a Mad Max five, they got to cast Bruce Spence in it. He has yeah. to be in the movie and he should, I think he should be driving a, a,
1: a helicopter, a helicopter plane. or something.
0: And I think people would freak out if that Yeah, happened. I think so too. It would be so cool. Um, Before the movie starts though, there is a song so this is this these are the parts of the movie that don't work to that me.
1: age the movie
0: That age the movie yeah. um there's a song at the beginning sung by Tina Turner and it is like it has lyrics and it's like a pop 80s, 80s. electro synthy saxophone song
1: drums that are the same in like every 80s song
0: with all the reverb yeah. and stuff and um it's a little bit jarring after just watching road warrior because yeah. you have these very like silent intense scores and st- not silent but they
1: what I would like argue with this score because mm-hmm. it is a little bit more um, I feel like full yeah. than the other ones is because society is rebuilding because in the second movie it was just like little tribes Yeah, of people yeah. trying to hold on to civilization but this movie is like there is a civilization Yeah. and it's barter town
0: yeah, that's cool. I like that read. kind of
1: ages it. But it does, some of the, like that song and then some other songs in the soundtrack definitely age the movie.
0: Yeah, and they I think they break a little bit of the cohesion of the series as a whole. Yeah. Um, but so it, that's a little jarring. Um, uh, I love, world building wise, so then after Max's car is taken away, he arrives at Barter Town, which is run by Tina Turner. Um, her name's Auntie something, but they um, call her Auntie Auntie, auntie for entity. the most part. Auntie Entity, that's cool. I
1: think they call her Auntie though.
0: They call her Auntie, yeah, Auntie. That's pretty good, Australia. Yeah, Auntie. Uh, and so when he walks in though, there's all these people, and there's a lot of selling, and he sees his camels up for sale. He can't get them. Right, um, they're like, oh not man, being sold to.
1: by that super cool guy who couldn't find on IMDb.
0: Oh, you couldn't find him. Well, I mean,
1: like I couldn't see a, a picture or anything. You know, it was, I couldn't oh, find him. Oh, he's them. like the standout. Um, he was—he's so so cool. How he's, did we just? What did He's we just, like
0: this warlocky character wearing like a purplish black robe, and he has a staff. But
1: it has huge shoulder padding. Huge that shoulder looks padding. Just so cool and like regal, and it's like he—he he is. He'd be a
0: great cosplay.
1: Oh, oh yeah, he is like embodying the the like mysticism.
0: Yeah, it. he's yeah. so
1: cool. He, and He's, he could he's be, trying to sell like, the
0: camels. If
1: there was, if the movie was a little bit longer and it showed that there was some kind of religion going on, that guy would be the front, forefront of oh, that yeah. religion.
0: Oh yeah, he's cool. He is very cool. Um, but when Max arrives, do you remember? There's a guy selling clean water. Yeah. And he's like clean water. Get your clean and water. He, like, water. And he
1: scans the water.
0: And he Max pulls out a Geiger counter, and he sees that, that the water that that counts like um.
1: Like the purities or the impurities. No, it
0: like counts a, atomic. Um, what? Like impurities. Oh. So uh, I don't know how to explain. It. Oh, radio. It measures radioactivity. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So he, he, um, he wipes it over the water, and it's like to make it all the sounds that you don't want to hear. And the guy kind of just walks away, and and uh, Max just gives him a look. And that is a great example of good world building because they don't have to tell us that there was an atomic war or anything like that. But that alerts us to the fact that the war that happened before 2 had some atomic...
1: Nuclear warfare.
0: Nuclear things going on. And it just adds some texture. And I love all of that stuff.
1: Yeah, that's cool.
0: And all the characters are wearing cool costumes in this movie. Um, But basically, Max says that he can... He arrives... He has to give up all his weapons, which there's that scene where he's just dropping weapon after weapon after weapon after weapon. And he's like, I want to get my stuff back. I'll I'll give you my services for 24 hours. Right, right, right. And so they send him up to um, auntie's auntie. And uh, when he's up there, there's a guy playing a saxophone. And at first... And you're
1: like rolling your eyes. You're like, oh, this is more, more of an 80s... Thing And then you see that there's an actual person playing a saxophone. You're so like, you're like, okay. oh, okay. That's it's diegetic,
0: cool. as as Sean Muir has pointed out yeah. to me, what that means. There's diegetic music, which means the characters in the story are also hearing it. And then non-diegetic, which means only we hear it, which would be like the score or something like yeah. that. But um, that's that's pretty interesting Sorry, and cool. Um, uh, we already talked about Tina Turner talking about how she's nobody. Basically, Tina Turner
1: puts them to a test. They try and kill him right on the spot up there and he, he doesn't, he like, uh, sorry, he like wins the fight. So they're like, okay, you pass the audition. You're the first one to pass. This is what we need you to do. So what they need him to do is what is running um, Barter Town, it's methane and how they're getting the methane is through pig poop. You heard that? You heard that correctly.
0: Pig poop. Which they have. So they see there's an underworld. Yeah. Or undertown. Underworld. I thought it's Undertown, Underworld, Underworld, uh, and it's run by Master Blaster. And Tina Turner's explaining how Master Blaster has like gotten too power hungry, and she and wants he will he
1: he's like I run Barter Town because I'm the one fueling everything with the methane.
0: Yeah, and there is this great scene where they're like, it, "What what's what's running it?" And they're like, "Pig shit." And then he's like, Max is like bullshit and he goes no pig shit and i love that that's <laughs> yeah a great that's pretty line. good um but
1: and underworld is so filthy looking that you f- you vicariously smell oh yeah underworld as you're looking at it there are like vats of poop
0: and they're just like <laughs> like seemingly
1: hundreds of pigs down i mean i i hope that it didn't take him very long to shoot all of that stuff because like i feel bad for the pigs
0: oh my gosh yeah
1: but it's it's disgusting, and people are walking amongst the pigs, pu- shoveling their poop. And what I, another world building thing that is so cool. So Max is working down there to like to like create intel, mm-hmm. and he, he meets a guy who is chained around the neck. Yeah, And he's like, what are you doing here? Or I think that guy asked him, like, what did you do to get here? And then he, Max learns that this guy is serving a life sentence because he tried killing a pig for food for his family. And the guy is, like, crazy. And he's, like, smiling. He's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Life is only two to three years. Because the conditions are so terrible down there. Because he doesn't leave that. I mean, he leaves to go watch Thunderdome. But, like, that's his home is shoveling pig poop and he's yeah. chained around the neck and it's like, it's almost as if smelling all of this and being in all of this is like, like loosened a, f- a few bolts in his head and he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll die soon. That's okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: that, his, that guy's cool. I like that character a lot. Yeah.
0: He's cool. He reminds me of, um, well, I don't remember his name and it's what I, I don't remember. He's the guy who voices K2SO, uh, and we have this, we've had this conversation like four times in our relationship where we try and figure out in who Rogue it is. In Rogue One. Yeah. Uh, He's and, so cool. Anyway. uh spruce
1: Bruce Spence. I'm
0: just kidding. <laughs> so then finally, uh, we see Mad Max's car. And, and yeah. Max challenges Master, not Blaster, or he challenges Blaster, not Master, because Master rides the Blaster, uh, to a duel in Thunderdome.
1: Alan to Dick.
0: Alan Tudyk. Yeah, Tudyk. He, that guy reminds me of Alan Tudyk. Like, if, oh, that, if yeah. the movie was made now, they would have yeah. cast Alan Tudyk. That's right. Um, that's got to be so confusing for anyone that's listening right now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, so, Mad- uh, Max's car is being driven through the city, and he, like, stops. Uh, driven
1: by Master Blaster. Yeah. Or, like, they're sitting on, like, on the throne of it or yeah, something. Yeah, and
0: he goes, which is uh, cool, too, because it's like, when did his car get stolen? Again, yeah. that's just like folklore. It's so like, who knows? I would love to know why, but also like, I kind of like how it's just mysterious. Yeah. Um. And then...
1: Uh, oh, before that though, remember that they had his car in Underworld and they were trying to like start it. And he, you notice that his car was rigged like in Road Warrior, that if you started it or tried taking anything out of it, it would explode. Right. So that's when Max was like, you have to do this. And yeah. they, they forced him to like... Take the bombs and all of the danger stuff out of his car so that they could drive it. Yeah. Which is just more cool world building.
0: Yeah. And then finally, um, he challenges him. He goes to the Thunderdome. Tina Turner flies in like on a zip line. So cool. And then the guy who was selling the camels earlier does this whole speech, which is so great, you where he's like, There used to be war, and now we settled it here. Two men enter, one man leaves. And I suppose you won't break any rules because there are no rules. Just as long as two men enter and one man leaves. And then you hear the crowd who's around this like geo. It looks like a a bigger, one of those playground jungle gyms. (laughs) And um, and it's real. That's the other cool thing. It's a real thing. It's very large. And there's probably like 50 to 100 people on it looking inside the Thunderdome and they set up weapons in different areas and then they proceed to fight. You know what's
1: cool about this this kind of this whole concept? And I I'm not I can't think of other examples, but I feel like it's kind of a common thread and dystopian things. Where it is so dystopian future mm-hmm. which means there's like no more entertainment because we're a broken society. Yeah. And as the world starts rebuilding, it's like we have to go back through like Roman Empire stuff. Mm. and like have people fighting to the death again like going through these things because yeah i just feel like that's like that's you kind of see that it's a common thread and things yeah. like that or even like in hunger games they're like basically fighting to the death mm-hmm. and it, part of that is for entertainment purposes yeah for people and i just i think that's interesting yeah it'll ever not be interesting i think
0: yeah it it, it always it truly always is um so then they fight. It's a really great action sequence. They have like a rubber, like a like like, trapeze. Like um, acrobatic things, things. that are hanging from the top so they can do flips and jump around. Um, the fight, I mean, we can't really describe the fight, but it's really weapons cool.
1: weapons are hung up all around the dome that they have to jump up and try and grab.
0: And there's a chainsaw that Max gets, and there's a knife. And so they fight, and basically, at the end of the fight, he knocks off the helmet. He sees that it's a kid, and he turns... Not
1: only that, a, a disabled child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks,
0: like, mentally handicapped. Yeah. And then he turns to Tina Turner. Turn, Turner. Okay. Uh, And he, he says, like, this wasn't part of the deal. And then Master mm-hmm. of the Famed, Master Blaster, says... What deal? What are you talking about? And then it's kind of exposed, which then leads to Tina Turner saying, hey, we made a deal. And any man who uh, breaks a deal faces the wheel.
1: And she, well, she also kills the kid.
0: That's right. Someone shoots an arrow. But at then
1: him. it's like there's still two men in the thing. At, because two men enter, one man leaves. But the other guy came... Do you know, like, the the master came into the dome.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: And Mel's trying to get out, but they won't let him out. Yeah. Because there's, there's two men in there now.
0: But then he broke a deal, so he's got to face the wheel. Yeah. So they face the wheel. Gets uh, the
1: gulag. He,
0: yeah, he spins it, and it gets the gulag. And they put him on a horse. They put Backwards. This, yeah, backwards, with a large head...
1: Like a papier-mâché head.
0: Which is kind of freaky looking. Yeah. Um, a tiny vial of water.
1: That is hung in front of the horse.
0: And then they smack the horse's butt and the horse takes off.
1: And then they do—they proceed to do one of the most insane effects, or whatever it is I've ever seen, when the horse collapses <laughs> yeah. from heat and dehydration, which alone looked too real on the horse's yeah. part. Um, horse might be getting MVP for me. And then... The horse, so Max is still on the back of the horse, or he falls off at that point. No, he falls off. The horse slides down into quicksand. Yeah, but it it looks like they actually put a a horse into quicksand. Yeah, it, at well, no point. the horse point. is
0: dead at that point, so well, I'm well, sure yes, they dead. did a fake. But the horse. fake
1: horse looked real. It, it looks really like a, it looked like they like bought a dead horse. <laughs> and they put it in quicksand i
0: mean the way the series has been i wouldn't put it past it them just they looks so horse. cool um <laughs> yeah uh and then this girl finds well Max. hold on
1: how far into the movie are we at this point is this is halfway yeah how long is this movie i, I don't know like an hour 45
0: Sure. Just think about how much we've
1: talked about, like how much has happened. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. And then
1: we're gonna do a complete one eighty switch on where Uh this movie's headed. Yeah. Which I I think is an interesting thing that the movie does, but also, it's kind of hard to get to. Like, it's it's a hard thing to ask of the audience a little bit Mm -hmm. because it's almost like you have a beginning, middle, and end of the first two acts. And then you have this new thing that's happening and you have to learn about a completely new world about where he's being taken Yeah, and it's like oh I thought we already did this. Mm-hmm. So that it's it's still interesting and a very interesting tribe that he gets taken to and all this stuff and the story's really cool but it's also like it makes the movie feel longer. Definitely. So it feels like another movie starts.
0: Definitely. Um yeah. So then he's found by these like ch- these children. Yeah. Um, which is kind of, I, I think it even got criticized for this. like the Lost Boys from Peter Pan. Right. It, oh. I was about to say, oh, okay. I think it even got criticized for being a ripoff of the Lost Boys. I think it's unique enough. Uh, yeah. But, uh, it, it I think it's kind of cool that there's children surviving out by this like uh pool of water. It's and, like a little
1: oasis.
0: Yeah. Oasis. That's a, that's a word. And, um, they, they like are really excited about Max. Yeah. Because they think that he is Captain Walker. Because they were all on a plane. We, we learned through this. So the this, kids were on a plane? I thought so, weren't they?
1: I thought like a plane had crashed near them.
0: That makes more sense.
1: It makes more sense just because I don't think they would survive.
0: Yeah, that makes way more sense.
1: But proceed.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, so, and this gets into the idea that uh, Terry Hayes was talking about. Where it's like, these children are living in this area... They have one of those old um, picture um, flipping toys, if you remember, listener, where you, you hold it up to your face and you um, you, put, you it. You insert
1: it. the picture into the top It's like of a it.
0: circle cartridge. Yeah. And you click it and it shows different pictures. Yeah. So then they proceed to like a religious relic. Create this story about how Captain uh, Ca- Captain Captain Walker, Marvel is that what you were? About I was going to say me? Morgan. Oh, and then I Who's Captain uh, Morgan.
1: Oh, away uh, from the alcohol.
0: Yeah, with the okay. foot up. Yeah. Um, how he came down, and they have like these drawings on the wall because they're explaining this to Max after they kind of bring him back to health. Yeah. Um, and then they finally talk cut about, off
1: his disgusting hair.
0: I liked the hair. It I liked gross. the hair. Um, they talk about the plane coming down, and then how Captain Morgan is going to come. Walker, ba- Walker, <laughs> Walker is going to come back and fly the plane because the plane is still kind of like partially buried out in the sand. Yeah, and uh, Max is just kind of sitting there listening to all this, and I love all of this. By yeah, the way. It's, it's interesting. It's it's cool. Um, and and they're they're doing it in this strange way that seems like kids around a campfire. Yeah, um, telling stories, and then. He proceeds to tell them, "I'm not that guy. Uh, you guys should stay here because the closest town you're going to get to is Barter Town, and it's a hellhole, and you guys wouldn't last a day over there."
1: But then I- they like you continue further, exp- like trying to convince him, mm-hmm. and then he does such a great thing where he just gets up and starts walking away. Like they put they, yeah, they put yeah. the 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 pilot hat on him, like they're crowning him. Like you're back. Yeah. And then he immediately stands up, takes off the hat, starts walking away. Uh-huh. And it's a lot cooler if you watch it, mm-hmm. but it was just like that is such a max thing to do. Yeah. He yeah, he he said he's not him, but he only says it in like a handful of words and then he's gone. Yeah. And then I mean they they conv- like they bring him back, but like it's just so great.
0: Well, and I I love the idea of um like a culture I mean, because this is kind of like what, what uh Ju- if you look at Judaism and Christianity. Mm-hmm. So Judaism had this idea of what the Messiah would be, and he would come and he would conquer, like, at the time when Jesus came, he would come and conquer the Romans. And then, like, Israel would be king. Yeah. And then Jesus comes, and he's like, I am that Messiah, but actually I'm going to save everyone, but in a very different way than you thought. Yeah. And this is quite a bit different, but it's cool how Mad Max is like, they're like, oh, you're the guy you're going to get on this plane that's buried out in the desert. You're going to fly us to safety back to all these cities and stuff. And these like utopias that we've been dreaming about. And he goes, not, not in the altruistic way that Christ does. I'm not bringing that comparison full, but he also is like, no, but he winds up helping them and he does actually set them free, but in a different way than their, uh, than what they, their preconceived notions were. Yes. And that, like, that, like, Messiah figure coming and saving someone but in a different way than they anticipated Yeah, is always kind of an interesting idea to play with. Yeah. And uh, that's very cool. It's,
1: like, one of those things where you think you have it figured out mm-hmm. and, and you don't and then it kind of comes down to, like, you just have to have faith in that thing yeah. that you believe will help you. Yeah. And because of their belief in him, I mean, like, It's kind of like a typical Max thing. He doesn't want to help them. Yeah. um, But he does end up doing it mostly because it's like, well, I can't just let them die. Right. But then they have to put their faith in him. Right. Regardless of where that takes them. Yeah. So then it gets to like, finally, the action scene. I mean, well, Thunderdome's action, but I mean like car action scene.
0: Well, we're not quite there yet. Oh, because remember, then he leaves the oasis because the, the girl tries to go away and she's like, you know what? If you're not going to do it, I'm going to yeah. go to that town. And he's like, don't, 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 don't. And then finally they leave in the middle of the night and he Max is alerted to oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, okay, we got to go get him. So they start going out. Some of the kids fall in that sand pit. Mm-hmm. Then they finally make it to barter town. Um, all the while, I will say, like you were actually saying, you actually explained why. Um, why I was having a little more trouble with the second half was because you're re- introduced and you're like, it's like a second movie you're watching. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that. So now I know why. Like the movie really feels like it starts stalling after she tells the story yeah, yeah, yeah. about Captain Walker. Because it's like,
1: what's, okay, so if he's going to say no to this, what's, what's that going to happen?
0: Yeah, so there is a lull there. Um, But then they finally get to barter town they break everything up um and they they that that guy the pig killer from earlier gets in a you know summing a lot of this up gets into a train car and they take off down these train tracks powered by the methane and then Tina Turner and her gang uh are start chasing them right and the kids have mercy on um master yep um and they because he is now being mistreated cuz Blaster was killed. Yes. And so I I really li- I guess we didn't talk about oh, yeah, this that whole enough. Scene. But I think it's really cool and and good writing where you have a uh, Master Blaster who who really is presented as a really bad dude. Uh-huh. And Tina Turner is presented the, as this really good person. And then after Blaster is killed, you see her just take advantage of that situation like a dictator yeah. and just throw Master in prison like he was helping the city. And then and um, and then, and then it, it kind of turns on its head to where you're like, well, Tina Turner is actually kind of the bad guy. And
1: don't you think she's like kind of motivated by fear as yeah, well she, as by power? I think power? she's, uh, I like I think she's afraid she'll power. lose the power. Yeah. yeah.
0: And he's already lost the power, so and now he's her, just afraid of his life. Her saying for that his
1: life. this is her time now, she's probably afraid of that time ending.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's it, guys. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, all that power structure stuff is really interesting. Um, and it, it it really does come across. I think if you watch the movie with that in mind, it, it's not like... You know, sometimes when you read about... um. Man, there's a lawnmower going on. Just imagine, it's a we're we're still on the Mad Max road. So it's it's a car driving, you know. Yeah. It's just a sound effect we put in the podcast. Um but the the oh, what was I saying? Like sometimes when you read about a movie that is that is like an adventure story or something and then a writer says, "Well, we really wanted to capture the this about this." Uh you know, we wanted to explore capitalism." And you watch the movie and you're like, "I guess?" You know, but this movie, when I read the things that Terry Hayes said about it and what George Miller said about the power structures and the ab- like the Aboriginal tribes making yeah. mythology, it really does come across in this script yes so whereas much. like even some of those movies in Marvel Phase one i I can't remember exactly, but there's a couple of them where they the writer said, we wanted to accomplish this about um, this hero, and you're like, yeah, I guess you did that. Yeah, I, I guess you did take that angle, but really, it's just, it feels more like it's just an action movie. I feel like, like not, Thor
1: is like the biggest example of that.
0: Yeah, because I feel like they were trying to do a lot of stuff, and then it kind of doesn't follow through on like the exploration of a god amongst humans. Yeah. You know, it like, it almost more does. More than anything,
1: it's it sh- it's exploring Chris Hemsworth shirtless among humans. Yeah. That's just what it Which, seems like.
0: Which, I mean, I get. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hem's got a hem, you know? gosh uh, but but anyway so going past all that they start driving we have a great mad max drive sequence once again can we describe it no you have to watch it there's we, some we can't great because stunts. we
1: won't because you have to see it
0: <laughs> yeah no but it, it really i wish it was 15 minutes longer yeah well i wish it was two hours long
1: oh oh
0: wait a second that's the next movie oh um but they get to the end of their train track, and then they find Jedediah's. I love
1: the kid. I love Jedediah's that kid. kid. Yeah, he is so funny. He's good. He's so cute, especially that outfit.
0: Yeah, that yeah. he has. He's wearing like an old British exploring the African. Oh
1: my gosh! Continent it's so cute, outfit. and he's so he like is so good at acting.
0: He's good. Yeah.
1: I also didn't like see that kid. Like I didn't. I was kind of just doing quick hunting Uh and he didn't pop up.
0: Yeah. Really. So I think the acting and the kid acting in this movie is pretty decent. There wasn't much that jumped out to me as bad. No,
1: I actually thought the kids were really good.
0: Yeah. Um, Which Which is is rare. Yeah. Especially after watching Dumbo this week. Woof. Pet cemetery. (laughs) Dumbo more. I said woof more like.
1: You know what they did in um, Pet Cemetery that. I always think is funny. So you have like an eight year old girl and a two year old boy, mm-hmm. like their brother and sister. And there's this thing that happens and the girl, the daughter comes back and the parents are just kind of like freaked out. And you have the two year old boy, his sound bite is definitely way louder than it actually would be mm-hmm. in post, like the, in post production of this. And you don't see the kid's face. So he definitely didn't say it in, in that take, uh-huh. but he's like, what's the girl's name? I'm just going to say like Samantha. I love you, Samantha. And it's like, really, I don't think you're saying that. Yeah. It just it's just whenever they do that happens so much in movies, and it's it's like I I know that ki- like especially younger kids say things like that in times where like an adult probably wouldn't say that. Yeah. But that just like rips you out of the moment.
0: It's child acting is really a hard thing. Yeah. I mean, I know from from what I've heard, it seems like the people who get the best performances spend like really focus a lot of attention on, and I, I don't know what they did with Pet Cemetery, yeah. and I haven't seen Pet Cemetery yet, but I know like with, um, with Elliot Thomas from ET. Oh, okay. The arguably the best child performance ever. Like it's up there. It's so good. Yeah. The other one would probably be, um, uh, well, Haley yeah. Joel Osment from signs.
1: You also have Justin, tremblay i think is his name who's in the kid from room who i believe has lived a thousand lifetimes before this one and that's the only way he he understands how to act like the way he does okay (laughs) if reincarnation's real that kid is a product of it
0: (laughs) um but uh, i know that like with like steven spielberg he would sit down with uh elliot uh, henry thomas yeah and they would just like really try and get into the motivations and spend time and act like kids and like yeah. really spend a lot of extra time yeah. and then i another one like uh the movie eighth grade directed by bo burnham yeah you know he would sit down with the the actress um i forget her name but and they would just like spend a lot of time he would he would kind of show her the script but let her add all of her likes and ums that an eighth grader would say yeah which is actually sort of infuriating that it's in the movie because it's so bad grammatically, but it's awesome but because it's what, so that's natural. that's how you
1: and I were active.
0: A- absolutely. Yeah. So it's really good. Um, but, yeah, there, you have to spend a lot of extra time with child actors to get really great performances. I don't know. Uh, back to Mad Max, I don't know how much time they spent with the kids, um yeah
1: I just wonder what they did so like thinking about Mad Max which is a group of kids mm-hmm. I wonder how they they dealt with that but also thinking about um Stranger Things which is kid driven yeah It chapter one which is kid driven how they one I think those kids are just very talented yeah but like how what? how did they spend time with them the directors yeah yeah that, that would be
0: interesting to find out especially because TV shows have different directors usually yeah so that makes it uh, much more difficult yeah um But yeah, anyway, something to think about. Uh, They get to Jedediah's lair. They get on a plane. uh, The people are still chasing him. Mad Max gets in a car to distract him and leave the Because they they can't
1: take off because they're too heavy. Yeah. So Max gets off the plane, gets in a car. One of the coolest shots, car driving straight on into a car, and you see everything...
0: And it ex- and that
1: stops everyone driving.
0: It disintegrates the car. Yeah. And then Mad Max, does he just drive away at the end of the day? No, movie? he jumps
1: out of that car before it collides with that That's car. That's right. And he really doesn't have a car. Because all of them were like, the ones that, that um, there were a lot that were destroyed. And the ones that weren't destroyed, all of the Barter Town people drove away with. Yeah. Because Tina Turner gets out of her car, comes up to them, People like have guns pointed at them. And you're like, oh, why wouldn't she kill him? But didn't she say something like it wasn't this exactly, but she's like, I like you or something like Well she like. says
0: something like, um, we're from the same breed. Yeah, or something that's what like it is, that. Yeah. And then she just drives away and leaves him. Yeah. And then uh and then that's the end of Mad Max from nineteen eighty five until What? two thousand neither ne- nearly thirty years later. Yeah. Um But yeah, that's Mad Max. I am ecstatic about Fury Road Yeah, because Fury Road is when George Miller says I don't know if he actually thought this but he says what's the best part about Mad Max and everyone says the stunts and the car chases specifically and he goes what if I took the two best sequences in the series the car chase in Thunderdome and the car chase in Road Warrior and I made an entire movie that and not only that Instead of just doing a car chase for two hours, which can be boring, it's not going to be boring for one second of the movie. And it's going to be maybe the best movie of that year, probably like top, at least top 50 best movies of this decade. Yeah. And kind of like revitalize action. Because I think... There is like a before and after Mad Max. I think that movie has, which is funny because the original movie and especially Road Warrior had that impact as well where it's like action movies before Mad Max, Fury, or Road Warrior, action movies after. And now you have action movies before yeah. Fury Road and after Fury Road. Yeah, And it's, it's kind of, it's so awesome because I don't know, I can't think of anything off the top of my head where the fourth movie in the franchise is the best movie in the franchise i can't think of anything like they know one thing that makes it so
1: much better too is this is the best story out of all four of them yeah set set can like you know further set in the future when women (laughs) women are infertile and they're like are only four pregnant women left yeah it's a little bit of a children of men situation (laughs) so cool oh
0: so cool it's so cool so rev your engines folks (laughs) because we are gonna dive into that that road and then um what we need to remember um we need to talk about what you and I specifically just us two what we would want in a in a future movie in the franchise. Okay. Um but yeah, uh hope you stick around with us. Uh can't wait for this one. And we're almost done with our second series. Uh cue the music Anthony, the outro music. I have no idea what it is. Me neither the subscribe comment like or whatever
1: share and just have fun share it though seriously please
0: bye